have an opportunity to share and learn from the Word of God. Father, your Word is true. It's tested. And Lord, we, we declare that, that we have an anointing to teach and every ear is anointed to, to hear and heart anointed to receive that precious seed of the Word of God that our lives will be changed for the better in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, to begin with, I'd like us to turn to the book of John, John chapter 1, and uh, this is just kind of going to set up the, the whole teaching, and, and as we go through this, we're going to be talking about healing. So as we talk about healing, the, the healing of Jesus, um, listen with your heart. Not just, Don't let this just be information. I'm going to give you some things that I think will be valuable for you to use, but you need to catch it as, as much as I need to throw it. So in John chapter 1, it says, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then we skip down to verse 14, where it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Bible tells us that some of the, the major things that Jesus did, his ministry on the earth, was, was uh, to teach, to preach, and to heal. And what we're, anytime you're sitting under the word, remember, Jesus is the Word. He came, He was the Word made flesh. So even as we teach the Word tonight, you are sitting under the teaching of Jesus, the Word. And, and you can receive by, by hearing that. That's part of the works of God just as much as, as if you had been there with Him in person. Um, what I'd like to do tonight, um, in, in our regular teaching and from, from our own ministry, our our, our ministry is like to the nation's ministries, and uh, we teach every week on, uh, basically lately it's been on Thursday nights, we teach the uh, midweek service to churches and to individuals in Hungary and Romania and uh, Austria, uh, and we record these and then send them out to other countries, to, to uh, Australia, um, help me out, um, U.S., anyway, it goes to a myriad, a lot of different people, Hungarian-speaking people who are hungry to receive the Word of God. And so what we've been teaching lately uh, is, is the uh, teachings, the, the healings of Jesus. The, and more specifically, Jesus, there, there were 19 individual instances where, where Jesus healed people. That's recorded in the New Testament. Now, there were a lot more than that. I mean, there were times when he would heal multitudes, but there were, there were 19 specific times when Jesus healed, um, sometimes some of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, might record the same one. So that, that's just one healing, even if, even if it's recorded in more than one place. So, um, what we do when we do that is we, we go through the scripture and we break it down line by line and, and see what it is that, that Jesus did 
because, you know, you've heard this over and over. Jesus is our example. That's true. But as we look at these, we want to see what example some of these people are and what did they do to receive. Because if, if we can do what they did, we should be able to get what they got. And they got, they got healed. So, uh, we're not going to have time to look at all 19 of these healings, but we're going to look at some examples and I want to, I want to highlight some things that I think are important. The one of the first ones we looked at when we started this series, uh, months ago was blind Bartimaeus. And you can find him in Mark chapter 10. And I'm going to go ahead and, and just read this, this, uh, passage about blind Bartimaeus starting in verse 46 of Mark chapter 10. It says, now they came to Jericho as he went out of Jericho, talking about Jesus, with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus. I would like to be known as blind Bartimaeus. I mean, he wasn't blind after this encounter with Jesus. But blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, And say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, be of good cheer. Rise, he's calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Now, in verse 36, we see blind Bartimaeus here begging by the side of the road. And it's interesting to know that this is one of the very few times that we see the name of the person who's who Jesus is is healing. Um, But it also tells us that he was probably a well-known beggar. I'm not sure I'd like to be a well-known beggar, but he was a well-known, and even the the, uh, whoever recorded these in the Gospels knew that this this man, they knew this man's name. So he was well-recognized. He placed himself in a heavy traffic area where there'd be a lot of people going by and and people would... uh, be more, be more opportunities for people to, to bless him with some kind of offering. Um, verse 47 says, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, it seems obvious that he had to have heard something about Jesus or he wouldn't be, he wouldn't be crying out. Uh, must have heard that Jesus was a healer. He he knew something about that the and have mercy on him. He knew that healing was a mercy and that Jesus could do it. Now if you'd never heard any of that before, why would you bother to cry out? You just sit there and keep begging the way you had always done. What you hear determines what you believe. And and what you believe uh determines what you ask for. And that's what's happening here. And this is a theme that comes up quite often in, in the, the individual healings of Jesus. They heard something about Jesus, either directly or indirectly. 
but they not only heard, he believed what what he had heard. And so uh, the, what you hear determines what you expect. Hearing is important because how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, Romans 10, 17. Um, but if you, if you hear something like, well, God puts sickness on people to teach them a lesson, teaches them something. If that's what you hear, that's, that's not going to put very much, uh, faith in you to, to be healed by Jesus when you think, well, he might be doing this to teach me something. He doesn't do that, by the way. Um, it's the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So blind Bartimaeus had, had heard something, and he heard it, he believed it, and he started calling out for Jesus. And, and he was crying out. Now, think about that. He, he couldn't see, but he could hear. And there's a multitude. Now, there's obviously a lot of people that were already there, but there are people with Jesus. He had no idea how to tell how far away is Jesus, where is Jesus. So he he starts crying out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And the people around him, shut up, get out of here. They're pushing him to the back. They didn't. They didn't. He was annoying people around them. Um, but. Notice he just didn't sit by and hope that Jesus might come by and heal him. He made himself known. See, a lot of people have the attitude that, well, God knows what I need, and if it's, if it's his will, he'll give it to me. does not work that way. So, um, blind Bartimaeus didn't wait to see how Jesus might help. He, he got loud and let everybody know that he wanted something. Um, You know, just just because God knows what you're going through doesn't give Him permission to do what you need done. You need to take another step. So it says blind Bartimaeus was calling out to Jesus and, and people told him to be quiet. He got louder. He, he got yelled out all the more. Faith calls. Faith is not silent. Um, well, I'm just believing the Lord. I have an unspoken prayer request. You know, I, I used to teach in a Christian school. And the teachers there were awesome. It was, it's amazing the quality of teachers that were in that school uh, for the pay we got. But every morning we'd have a, a, a devotional. And we'd go in and have prayer time and, and scriptures and and so many times there were a couple of people that had these unspoken requests. And I am convinced that an unspoken prayer is an unanswered prayer. Because it needs to be, you know, the Bible says that God's, God knows what we have need of before we ask. But you still have to ask. And that's what Bartimaeus is doing here. And then, uh, oh, let's see. So it says it says here that in verse 49 Jesus stopped for him. Jesus stood still it says. 
Jesus was not on that road for the purpose of healing Bartimaeus. He was on his way somewhere, and and Bartimaeus inserted himself into the schedule of Jesus that day. And Jesus stopped him because Bartimaeus had faith. And Jesus will always stop for faith. And faith is another one of the the themes that come up in, in every one of these healings. Uh, you, you think about uh, the, the woman with the issue of blood, how she, uh, she crept up. No, Jesus, nobody knew she was there. She wasn't supposed to be there because she was unclean. And she just touched the hem of his garment. And Jesus knew that, that power had gone out. And he ended up telling her, daughter, your faith has made you whole. It was her faith. And he was able to be healed here uh, because because of his faith. Jesus recognized that. And uh, Jesus asked him, I think it's, it's interesting, verse 51, he says, what do you want me to do for you? What, what are you believing for? Now, kind of obvious, isn't it? I, I'm blind. You know, I'd like to see. But he had to say it. He had to tell Jesus what it was he wanted. Um, because it's, Brother Hagen told a story about, uh, I think it was Brother Hagen, about uh, a lady that came up for healing one time for her hearing. She, she had, uh, I don't know if she was totally deaf or whatever, but she had a cane and she was walking up to Brother Hagen for healing for her hearing. And he prayed for her, laid hands on her, and her hearing, her ears were open. And she started walking away and he said, well, don't, we can take care of that too. Don't you want to, don't you want to take care of that? She said, Oh, I can live with that. Well, you know, whatever, whatever you get used to. And we'll, if we have time, we'll look at more of that in one of the other healings here. But, uh, don't, don't get used to it. Don't, uh, you know, take everything God has for you. Um, let's see if there's anything else we want to talk about Bartimaeus here. Go your way, your faith was... Fo- oh, verse 50, 52, he says, uh, when Jesus told him, go your way, your faith has made you well, immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. It's important. It matters where you go after you receive your healing. Especially if you want to keep your healing. Uh, go, you know, it's, it's honor, honoring to... Uh, to follow the one who who brought the healing to you, uh, and Jesus, he followed Jesus here. Now, in our in our teaching weekly, we also looked at another blind man. This one we don't know his name, but we, he's called the blind man of Bethsaida, and you can find that in Mark chapter eight. And uh, I don't know if we'll read the whole thing here, but uh, Jesus came to Bethsaida, Mark chapter eight, verse twenty-two. Yes, short. We'll go ahead and read it. It says, uh, he came to Bethsaida and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes, we're going to have a healing line here later. And they're going to spit on everybody. Is that okay? Yeah, we'll see how good that goes. No. He had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him and asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, 
I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands on on his eyes again and made him look up, and he was restored and saw everything clearly. Then he sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. Now, that's interesting. Now, if you pick some of these things up, I think it will really be helpful. Uh, first thing I notice here is that, uh, again, somebody heard something. He had heard about Jesus, and, and he, had, uh, he had people, he had friends that brought him. He had help in getting to Jesus. Now, either they had heard about Jesus or he had heard about Jesus, but somebody thought about getting him to Jesus because they had heard that if we can just get him to Jesus, he can be healed. And uh, then another part of that is is he allowed himself to be led by other people. He didn't know where they were going. You know, if the people who had heard something, thank God he was around people who were hearing the right things. Because if you hear the wrong thing enough, it's going to become truth to you. It'll be as, as uh, you'll have as much faith in that as in having in the right thing. But they they uh, brought him to, to Jesus, and uh, so he had an advantage over poor Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus was out there all in his own, people telling him to shut up and, and get back. But here, this man had friends that brought him to Bethsaida, or he was in Bethsaida, but it says uh, Jesus. It said Jesus led him out of the village. Now this is important. The blind Bartimaeus, with all the commotion going on, Jesus healed him right there. This man is there, surrounded with friends. Probably not as as much commotion as the other place. But Jesus leads him out of town, gets him away from the village. I'm thinking it probably even away from those friends that brought him there. Um, why would he do that? Well, to find out, there's a, a scripture in Matthew chapter 11. Uh, it says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 21, it says, Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. This is Jesus. Where was this blind man? He was in Bethsaida. And Jesus was pronouncing woe over these two places and actually went on and added another place beyond this. But he says, The mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon. They would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. He's talking to those cities and not because he's angry with them or doesn't want to help them, they have rejected him. They have, they have had their chance in a sense, and Jesus can't work there. And people, oh, Jesus could be any, oh, you look at the, the number of times when Jesus had to pull apart from other places or, or do this kind of thing. He, he, the little girl that was, uh, Jairus' daughter, the Jairus, the, in the, um, he was the synagogue leader. Uh, he came to Jesus, wanted wanted the uh, wanted Jesus to come and heal his daughter. When he got there, the daughter was dead. She was already dead, and they had already called in the weepers and wailers to 
to to be over there. And like they would say in in Minnesota, they they was just a hooping and a hollering in there, and and Jesus had to get them out of that environment, had to change the environment so that little girl could receive her healing. That really is what's happening here too, because they this this place Bethsaida was not a place where where he could be healed. Um, God God won't manifest in an atmosphere of doubt and unbelief. And and that's exactly why he had to pull him out of there. Uh, and so Jesus knew he had to change the atmosphere there with the little girl and with and here and it's in other other places too that that you'll see. I, I invite you to, to look these up and study these because it's fascinating to see how these different healings the differences and the things that were the same, and you put those together, and it's very useful. Uh, one of the things you learn from this is that when when we're believing God for something, sometimes you have to get away, even from loved ones, sometimes who will try and meaning well, uh, try and they'll they'll give you different input that you shouldn't be listening to. Um, you know, years ago, I, th- I may have shared this with you before, I had a stroke. And I was younger and healthier then, and I, I had a stroke. It shouldn't be happening. But I was in the hospital, and we learned there. And thank God we had a foundation of Word of Faith to, to stand on at that time. We We had to separate even some of our own family members who meant well, but they were saying dumb things as far as trying to walk in faith. And so we, we put on, we had healing scriptures, uh, uh, worship music. Uh, we had people around me. Our, our son came down from Seattle uh, to Portland and, and uh, spent the whole time there. He was praying over us. He was one of the ones that really helped lift these. So as, as much as you can, you need to surround yourself with people that are going to build your faith, not tear your faith apart. So sometimes you have to separate, even from loved ones. Um, verse 23, it says, He took the blind man by the hand, led him out of the town, and when he had spit on his eyes, there we go, spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. Now, we don't know if he just spit directly on his eyes or, or spit on his fingers and rubbed his eyes. I, I don't know. Either way, it, he spit on him. And... Uh, you know, some people have a problem with that. Listen, if you want to be healed, and and they have not listen, I will not spit on anyone unless I am sure God has told me to do that. So don't, I'm really not going to spit on you. So, um, but but Jesus did that. He didn't do that all the time. He didn't lay hands on people all the time. He followed the Holy Spirit, and that's that's an important thing to remember. Not every case is the same. Not not every sickness, not every attack. It's not always demons that are at fault. And in fact, we'll look at that in a minute here, I think. But uh, another thing is, um, you don't have to tell God how to do things. God God knows how to do it better than you do. And, uh, you know, because people have the idea, well, I'm, I'm believing they're going to lay hands on me and I'll fall down on the floor and I'll be healed. Well, God's got a million other ways to do something rather than than that way. 
Um, so, you know, just don't don't miss, don't limit what God can do just because you think He should do it this way or you've seen it done that way. Um, and he laid hands on the on the man twice. Probably, I'm thinking, because his faith was affected there. Remember, Bartimaeus, he just came out and said, hey, your faith made you whole. Here he had to lay hands, touch this man twice to get him freed from his blindness. To, to perfect. Now, there was some healing at first. He's, he saw men like trees walking, so he could see it. There was some improvement, but it wasn't, it wasn't complete. He, he probably couldn't get a driver's license yet. So he, he, they kept, he prayed again, and uh, oh, we had a, a Mongolian boy living with us who was blind. And he, uh, he had a thing when he was very young that cost him his, his eyesight. And he lived with us. We brought him to the States. And uh, one of the doctors gave him some medicine and, and plugged his tear ducts so the medicine would stay in longer. And God healed him. God brought his, his vision back. And I'll never forget, we were up in the mountains in the state of Washington. And we were looking. The first time I, I noticed that he noticed something, he could see cars coming up from the, the roadway down below us. We were way up high. He could even see the colors of the cars. His eyes got so good, he had, he was up to 20-40 vision, which is, is good enough to get a driver's license. We never told him that. So we didn't want him running around on the roads. Yeah. Um, so I, I think the reason that, that Jesus laid hands on this man twice had to do with the man's faith because he was, he was from that, that town, had been in that town, Bethsaida, and uh, it was just a, a, the wrong atmosphere for, for him to be in. He, he had, whatever you're surrounded by is going to come on you. It's like we, when we teach about submission and authority. Whatever you submit to, whatever you come under, comes over you. And he was submitting himself. Maybe he was there because more people there, more chance for people to give something. Uh, we don't know, but but uh, Jesus laid hands on me twice because I believe because of his level of faith. And and then Jesus told him in verse 26, he he said he sent him to his house, saying, "Neither go into the town, nor tell anyone in the town." So obviously, he didn't live in that town. He just spent a lot of time there. Because Jesus said, you go home, don't go back to that town. And, uh, you know, I, I hope you catch that. Don't go into, don't go into town. Don't go back where, where all those negative, uh, people are and, and get your healing taken away. Um, so, you know, I'm not saying you can't visit people in another town, but, but you need to be, Aware, you need to be uh, strong to to overcome that. You know, we, sometimes you have to go visit relatives who say dumb things. So you need to let that uh, let that bounce off and fill yourself with the right things. So it it does matter again where you go after you're healed. Bartimaeus, 
he followed Jesus. This man in Bethsaida said, go home, but don't go back to that place. Um, one of my favorite things that we we taught was about the bout over woman in Luke chapter 13. And the reason for that is, and he, I, I don't think we'll read this whole thing, but it was about this in, in the synagogue, and it's, it's Luke 13, it starts in verse 10, but there was a, a bout over woman in the synagogue, and it describes my Aunt Edith. When I was a little boy, little boy, I was little once, uh, when I was a little boy, she tended me. She watched me while my mom and dad were at work. I spent a lot of time with my Aunt Edie. But she was so crippled. Her, her hands were just gnarled and her feet. She had to buy these canvas shoes that she would have to cut. Brand new shoes she'd have to cut to get them on her, on her feet. She would, she, when she was sitting down, she'd have to rock several times to be able to stand up. And when she'd stand up, she was still in that same position. It was, it was just agony for her to move. And I remember watching her kneading bread. She'd take those gnarly old hands and she'd still knead that bread. Uh, she was a wonderful woman. And I didn't know, of course, I was just a little boy and we were all Mormons back then. So we didn't know anything about uh, supernatural um, healing. Uh, I, I wish we would have because she was uh, she deserved it. But you don't necessarily get it because you deserve it. You get it because you have faith to receive it. So um, that's what what Jesus and it says that she had a, a spirit of infirmity. Uh, let's see. She well, she had it for 18 years. That's a long time, a long time to be bowed over. And, and she, you know, less than human. When we lived in Budapest, there was a, a lady, more, probably more than one, but there was one in particular that lived just down the street from us. I don't know where she lived. She begged just down the street from us. And and she was just so, she again reminded me of my Aunt Edith. She was just doubled over and, and there dressed all in black and had this little uh, box out for people to put money in. Most of the time, people would just pretend she wasn't there. You know, some people would come and, and give. They had compassion. They would, they would give. But uh, it was easy, and it happens a lot with people that have some kind of a handicap that that shows. Uh, they just pretend they're not there. It happens in church. This was in church. This was in synagogue, and and the, uh, well, I better not get into that. But. Uh, and another thing, verse 12, it says, when he saw her, it's that she couldn't raise herself up. He saw her and called her to him. He didn't make it easy on her. I mean, I, I can just imagine her. She's there in the synagogue and there's, you know, it's, it's usually crowded in there and she's got a, uh, it's an effort and a painful effort for her to get up to Jesus, but she did. She showed that she wanted to be there. Um, but it says she had a spirit of infirmity. That's not a spirit from God. God doesn't put those things on people. It's an evil spirit. And she'd had it for 18 years. Listen, it does not matter how long you had something, how, how long something's been attacking you. Don't let yourself get used to it. That's, we see that so much in the, in the Roma communities. Uh, some of those people live in 
in conditions that um, you wouldn't allow your dogs to live there. But they get used to it. And, and it's, once you're used to something, it's hard to break out of that. Don't get used to being in bondage to, to pain or sickness or anything like that. Uh, God will allow you to keep anything you're willing to put up with. You don't have to put up with it, though. So don't get used to sickness over time or, or things being out of your place in your body. You know, something gets a little out of place. You start to walk different. And, and like with her, her spine was so bent that it affects everything else. Uh, the, the muscles, the, and the, the, everything, every part of your body is affected when something's out of line. Um, and also notice she didn't get healed sitting at home hoping something would happen in her life. She went to where the healing was. Now, the main point here is Jesus called her a daughter of Abraham. Um, he called her to him and, and immediately she was straight Made straight. Let's see. Verse. Uh, oh, they went through this whole thing where where they uh, the the leader of the synagogue was was uh, chewing them out basically for being healed on the Sabbath of all things. Can you imagine that they came in and they're being healed on the Sabbath day? I mean, there's six other days. Come on. And the interesting thing was she was a Jew. Probably was not her first time in that synagogue. Nobody done anything to help her any of the other days that she was there. But that synagogue ruler, not today. Any other day, not today. And uh, that's that's the way he stood. There was <laughs> Talk about the, the contrast between the compassion of Jesus and the compassion of, of the synagogue leader. And it wasn't just the synagogue leader. There were others in the synagogue that had the same attitude because that's what they the teaching they'd been sitting under. Remember, whatever... You come under, comes over you. And they were submitted to that. And he said in verse 16, verse 15, he says, Hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? Verse 16, So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of that, 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath. He reminded everybody they had a covenant. This woman was a daughter of Abraham. There was a, now it says she was she was bound by a a demon spirit, a demonic spirit, an evil spirit. Jesus never even mentioned it. He didn't. Now other times he did. If you look at the the madman of Gadara, he he cast he spoke to the demons, he he cast them out. There were other times that he did. This time, he reminded her of her covenant. And once you know your rights, your covenant with God, demons can't don't have any influence over you. So that's what he did. That's that's one of the big things I I speak I get out of that. He spoke her covenant to her, and she received it. And and what does it say? What she did when she when she was healed? It says she glorified God. Same thing. It's important what you do, where you go after you receive your healing. Amen. Now, uh, I think we've got time to do maybe one more here: the healing of a deaf and dumb man, and that's in Mark chapter seven. 
in Mark chapter 7, starting in verse 31. Let's read this. Uh, Again, departing from the region of Tyre and Sidon, he came through the midst of the region of Decapolis, that's a region of ten cities, uh, to the Sea of Galilee. Then they brought to him one who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they begged him to put his hand on him. Now, there you see again, there, there are people that are helping this man. They're begging Jesus to lay hands. Let's see if you can help this guy. And it says, Then... Looking up to heaven, he sighed, said to him, Epipheta, however you say that, that is, be opened. Spoke to the ears. Oh, I missed this verse. The, the, uh, he took him outside from the multitude. There again, he's, he's separating him from, from the rest of the people. Uh, and put his fingers in his ears and spat, touched his tongue. Jesus did that a few times. He didn't do it every time. You shouldn't do it unless the Holy Spirit tells you to do it. So, uh, verse 34, looking up to heaven, he sighed and said, Epatha, that is, be open. Verse 35, immediately his ears were opened and the impediment of his tongue was loosed and he spoke plainly. Then he commanded them that they should tell no one but the more he commanded them, the more widely they proclaimed it. This had it happened in several of the healings where Jesus would say, don't, don't tell anybody about this. And, you know, you, you can imagine if you've been, uh, 18 years or something or 12 years or something or, or however long this guy had been in this, in this situation, not being deaf and dumb, uh, it'd be hard not to tell people about it, but it made it so hard for Jesus to even move around anymore says he had to go out in the deserts and, and places. But the people who were hungry still came there and, and received from Jesus. Um, so he again, he, he took the man away from the multitude and uh, let's see. One of the things, when, when Jesus separates people, there, there can be more than one reason. Uh, you know, somebody can bring you to church, but that doesn't mean you're going to receive anything. Once, once you're there, once they bring you to Jesus or bring you to where the Word's being taught, then it's between you and Him as to what you receive, what, what transpires after that. So, uh, what matters is what you believe, not what the people who brought you believe. Now that can help, but but you eventually. That's one of the reasons uh, it's so important in healing. You can be healed on someone else's faith. Happens quite often, but to keep that healing, you're eventually going to have to develop your own faith in the healing in the healer. Um, but the one I, I really want to draw your attention to is, uh, as he was praying down in, after he put his fingers uh, in the man's ears, verse 34, it says, then looking up to heaven, it matters where you're looking. Jesus looked up to heaven. His, his focus and attention was on God. 
And uh, your faith works when your focus and attention is on the Lord. Not on, not on the circumstances, not on the, on the thing that's bothering you. Um, it's, it's, we need to discipline our attention so that we can be focused where we're, where we need to be focused. Um, there were other, other times in, in Mark, uh, six, verse 41 and 42, talking about the loaves and fishes. It says he looked up, looked up to heaven when he blessed them. In John 11, uh, another, another place where he, he lifted his eyes and said, uh, this is before they, they brought out, uh, Lazarus from the, from the tomb. He looked up and thanked God for, for restoring his, his life. And uh, John 17 is another one where he lifted up his eyes to heaven. There's, there's many places where we're talking about Jesus lifting up his eyes to heaven, focusing on who the healer, who is really doing the healer. The Bible says that <laughs> Jesus said, the Father does the works, not me. So, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because in the last two or three weeks, I've heard two different ministers talk about this same story that I'm not going to tell you about uh, Smith Wigglesworth. And uh, Smith Wigglesworth tells of the experience that he had when he was called in to pray for a dying woman. And he said that this woman was, she was the picture of death. She was skin and bones. And they also called in uh, some other ministers or prayers to come in and, and pray for this woman. And as they came in, the others were praying, Oh God, be with the family. Oh God, be with the children. Oh God, be with the husband. And Smith Wigglesworth was thinking in his mind, Oh God, shut their mouths. Because they, they, they had her dead and buried already. And, and he was, he was, uh, ready to pray. And when he went up, it says, just before he started to pray, he looked up and saw the face of Jesus above her bed. And then he, he prayed, spoke life to her and, and she rose up. She, she was saved. I not saved. She was, she was healed. And afterwards, these other ministers got with Smith Wiggles and said, you know, we prayed, nothing happened. He says, how, you know, you prayed, she was healed. What, what was the difference? And, uh, he said, well, that's pretty easy. He says, uh, you prayed looking at a dying woman. I prayed looking at, at Jesus and Jesus and Jesus looked up to heaven too when he prayed. Now think about that. Even Jesus had to have his attention, had to have his focus on the right thing in the right place at the right time. Jesus. If Jesus does, I think I need to too. So he, he wasn't looking at himself. He was looking, uh, he was looking up at the, uh, at, at the, one who does the actual healing. There are so many others that uh, we really don't have time to get into tonight. We uh, there's uh, one I was going to talk about was the leper in in Mark chapter one. Uh, 
the main thing that I, I would take away from the, the leper is because when, when the leper came to Jesus and he said, if you're willing, you can heal me. So he had faith that he could be healed. He just didn't know if it was God's will to heal him. And Jesus said, I will. I'm willing. And, and that should answer it for everybody. It, it makes it clear that it is, and it's not the only place, but it is the will of God to heal. It's the thief, Satan, that comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And uh, that's, that's just, it's, it's so simple that it's, uh, like Charles Capps used to say, you'd have to hire somebody to help you misunderstand that. It's, it's the thief. It's not, God doesn't put bad things on us. He is the blesser. So I want to close with, with prayer. And uh, if you need healing, first of all, it would be very good for you to, to dig in the Scriptures, see some of these healings, especially these individual healings that Jesus did, and see what, what he did, see what they did, what were the circumstances, was there a crowd, did he have to separate them, and where am I in all this? Where is my faith? Because your faith is what's going to make the difference. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the healing that we read about in your word. Lord, we thank you that uh, all of these people had uh, unique circumstances. And, Father, you did some unique things to bring healing. So, Father, anyone who needs healing in this room right now and watching online, We speak healing. We speak the power of God because God is the healer, not us, but the the Holy Spirit. We thank you for manifesting your presence there and for this power of God to flow in their body right now. Wherever you need healing, put your hand on wherever you might need healing and receive the healing power of God to flow right now in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for it, Father. And just like these other people, Lord, we follow you after this. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.